0: It's Monday, October 23rd, I'm Trayvall Anderson.
1: And I'm Josie Duffy Rice, and this is What A Day. On today's show, a second Trump ally has taken a plea deal in the Georgia election interference case, plus talks are set to resume tomorrow between the Actors' Union and Hollywood Studios.
0: But first, as the conflict between Israel and Hamas continues, two small but positive developments happened over the weekend. First up, two Israeli American hostages that were in Hamas' custody were released on Friday in an agreement with the government of Qatar. Mother and daughter Judith and Natalie Ronan are expected to arrive back in the U.S. this week after reuniting with relatives in Tel Aviv. They are the first to be released of some 200 hostages that Hamas kidnapped over two weeks ago when the militant Palestinian group attacked Israel. It's not yet clear when or if the other hostages will be released, but Qatar has committed to continuing dialogue with both Israel and Hamas, quote, with the ultimate aim of de-escalating the current crisis and restoring peace. And then the second positive development, the Rafah border crossing between Egypt and Gaza opened on Saturday. Though no people have yet been allowed to leave Gaza through the crossing. Since it first opened, at least 34 trucks of humanitarian aid have been allowed through, carrying bottled water, food, medical supplies, and other resources that civilians need. But aid workers have already said that more is needed to address the crisis at hand. Reports say there are more than 200 trucks carrying 3,000 tons of aid that have been waiting nearby for days.
1: Ah, oh, just devastating that it's right there, but can't actually reach people.
0: Yeah, And to further illustrate the level of need there, the Palestinian National Initiative actually says that a total of 7,000 trucks of aid are what's actually going to be needed to satisfy the crisis that they're going through, especially as Gaza's 2.3 million Palestinians, half of whom were forced to flee their homes, are rationing food and drinking dirty water. The hospitals are running low on medical supplies and fuel, all while Israel and Hamas are still trading shots Overhead. An Israeli military spokesperson said aid would only be delivered to southern Gaza, which is where everyone was ordered to relocate to by Israel. He also said that no fuel would be entering the territory. As for the death toll, the Palestinian death toll has now reached 4,385, with 13,561 injured. That's according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health in Gaza on Saturday. The Israeli death toll is more than 1,400, with more than 3,500 wounded. That's according to the Israeli government.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's worth noting that this idea that aid will only be delivered to southern Gaza because everybody was ordered to relocate there. Like, there are lots of people not leaving northern Gaza for many reasons, but that includes people who can't, Mm -hmm. who are too elderly to travel, who are too sick to travel, who are doctors and have to work in hospitals there premature babies, expectant women. I mean, the idea mm-hmm. that they don't deserve aid when they might be some of the most needy is pretty upsetting. Mm-hmm. There have been some reports that Israel is planning a ground invasion. We talked about this last week. There is this understanding that there would be a ground invasion kind of like immediately, and then it hasn't happened yet. Do we have a greater sense of when that's going to happen, if that's still expected to happen? What's going on there?
0: Yeah, so we don't. But over the weekend, Israel's defense minister did tell a parliamentary committee a bit about the military's ongoing intentions. He said that this first stage of their campaign is meant to eliminate the infrastructure and leadership of Hamas. Once that happens, the operation would be at a, quote, lower intensity to destroy any, quote, pockets of resistance. The third phase, he said, quote, will require the removal of Israel's responsibility for life in the Gaza Strip and the establishment of a new security reality for the citizens of Israel. Now, it's not clear exactly what the removal of Israel's responsibility for life in the Gaza Strip actually means. Doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound great. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is that even though Israel withdrew from Gaza in 2005, the UN regards Gaza, the West Bank and East Jerusalem as occupied. Occupied land. And they also consider Israel responsible for the needs of the population there. And Israel has been responsible for some of those needs, which allowed them to, for example, cut off water and electricity to Gaza in response to Hamas's recent attack.
1: Yeah, that's a really ominous sounding thing. I think an independent Gaza sounds like what a lot of people in that area want, but it has to be facilitated because the infrastructure has been in Israel's hands for so long. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are also new clashes between Israel Defense Forces and Hezbollah near the Israeli border with Jordan. So tell us more about what's going on there.
0: Yeah, so we've heard President Biden in particular express a desire for this war not to expand into a larger regional conflict, mm-hmm. but the Lebanon-Israel border has been kind of spicy over the last couple of weeks with the Israeli army army trading fire with hezbollah militants hezbollah which is a shiite muslim political party and they have an armed wing with the same name they reported the deaths of 24 of its militants since hamas's recent attack on israel they have vowed to escalate their activity if israel does indeed begin a ground invasion of the gaza strip to which israeli prime minister benjamin netanyahu had this to say quote If Hezbollah decides to enter the war, it will miss the second Lebanon war. It will make the mistake of its life. We will cripple it with a force it cannot even imagine, and the consequences for it and the Lebanese state are devastating. In preparation for what is expected to come, Israel has already begun evacuating its citizens from the cities, towns, and villages near potentially impacted areas.
1: (sighs) That's another very ominous sounding thing in this conflict and a reminder of just how unpredictable it is what's to come in the next days and months and even years, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we are moving on to, I was going to say crisis. This is not a crisis, especially compared to what we were just talking about, but situation, shall we say situation, in American politics, which is that we still don't have a House speaker. The competition of the worst people in America competing for the worst job in America Mm. continues. So lucky us or something. (laughs) I don't know if luck is the word I'm looking for. (laughs) You all may remember there have been two nominees for the job since Kevin McCarthy saw himself ousted by far-right Republicans a few weeks ago. Steve Scalise was the first to go. And now Jim Jordan has been unable to secure the votes he needs for the position. Seems prudent to remind everybody that Kevin McCarthy himself Took like 15 votes to get the job. So it's not looking good over there.
0: Yeah, it's just so messy and so so foolish and so confusing. And it's like, what are y'all doing? Right. Okay, so last week, Jim Jordan was still in the running, hanging on by a thread, albeit. What's happened since?
1: Funny you should ask. On Friday, Republicans cast a secret ballot vote. That basically took Jim Jordan out of the running entirely. So this was after some Republicans had publicly stated that they were getting harassed and threatened for not supporting Jordan. Apparently, the secret ballot vote kind of gave those people cover and maybe gave others cover as well, because Jordan found himself with less support after the ballots were counted, which means that we are back for the drawing board for speaker. And that process will continue today. There is one thing worth noting on Jordan. You know, With Kevin McCarthy, it was like this far-right contingent who voted him out. With Jim Jordan, it was, I don't know that there actually are really moderate Republicans right now, but certainly more moderate Republicans. Who kept him from the speakership? So it's very two can play that game.
0: I'm glad they kept him from the speakership, right? Right. And he's an election denier. So he brought it on himself. Right. You know? Right. So what happens now? Who's up for the speakership at this point?
1: There are currently nine people in the running now for speaker. Everybody is looking for a chance now, chance to win, or perhaps just a chance to be as humiliated as McCarthy. Scalise and Jordan all have now. It could go either way. The nine people range from Tom Emmer. He's a Minnesota representative who has served as the number three Republican in the House behind McCarthy and Scalise. Emmer has gotten McCarthy support, but many don't like him because he, you guessed it, voted to certify the 2020 presidential election, which is not allowed. Not certify what the American (laughs) people want.
0: Apparently. Yeah. Apparently, you can't be Republican and uphold the vote of the people, I guess. Right.
1: Right. Something like that. Right.
0: Right. Who else is in the mix?
1: So there's Gary Palmer from Alabama. He's the number five Republican in the House. There's Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma. He had thought about running previously, has now decided to go for it. There are some others, including Byron Donalds of Florida. He's one of four Black Republicans in the House. It's only his second term. There are no women in the running, of course, but there are nine men who just, for some reason, want this job. <laughs> Every candidate but two, the aforementioned Tom Emmer and also Austin Scott of Georgia, voted not to certify the 2020 election results. So nine people, seven election deniers, and um, at least three of them, including Hearn, Palmer, And Mike Johnson of Louisiana voted to shut down the government just a few weeks ago. So some really scorched earth vibes here in this group of people running. The bottom line here though, is that none of these people actually have the expertise needed to like bring the party together. Like obviously this is an extremely divided party, right? They can't even agree on who should be speaker. And once they finally have speakers, they can't seem to keep them in power. And so you really need someone who has like the political expertise the ability to, like, make deals and make promises and find coalitions and get the legislation that Republicans want passed. And it doesn't really look like any of these nine people have that skill set. And it also doesn't even look like they have 217 votes necessarily, right? Like, there's not, like, one of these people is running away with it. It still looks like it's going to be a struggle.
0: So we've been watching this shit show for a couple weeks now. What, what happens at this point? What happens next?
1: House Republicans are expected to meet this evening for a candidate forum where the nine candidates will present their vision for the caucus, like for the Republicans, for their role of speaker. And then tomorrow, there's going to be an internal election for a winner. And if one candidate gets a majority tomorrow, there could be a floor vote as early as that same day. But that's unlikely because there are nine candidates. And so basically, they're going to vote in this internal election. And if no one takes it, the person with the fewest votes will be kicked off the ballot. And then there will be another vote. That could happen the same day or the next day, whatever. And then that's going to continue until there's a nominee. So then they'll go to the floor vote. And this process, in theory, it could all happen tomorrow. In practice, it seems like it'll probably take all week and perhaps more. And in the meantime, all legislative work is suspended until the Republicans can elect a speaker. So People are just sitting around waiting for the government to work, for Congress to work as these people try to make a decision. And keep in mind, the next government shutdown deadline is in just a few weeks on November 17th.
0: They're already not working. Why not shut the government down?
1: Look, it's a great point. It's a great point because it's like, if this is y'all's long game to prove to us that (laughs) we should just shut down the government, that would truly be brilliant on the Republicans part. I feel like that's (laughs) not what's happening, but you know, who knows? Anyway, that is the latest for now. We will keep following the story of these nightmare people running a nightmare party, and we will be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast-growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. and offers their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, along with free plant consultation forever. Okay, so this weekend we started planning in our backyard. Mm -hmm. And we're doing some wildflowers. We're also doing some trees we bought from fast-growing trees. I would love to tell you what kind of trees they are, but I have already forgotten as soon as I bought them. However, they look great, and I'm very excited to have a backyard that makes it look like I know what I'm doing.
0: Listen, I love fast-growing trees because these plants that I have now bought over the last couple years of them supporting this show, I would like to report they are still alive, okay? And so I officially have a green thumb. You Thanks do? to fast-growing trees.
1: That is very impressive. <laughs> to keep them alive that long is very, very impressive.
0: Right now, fast growing trees, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
2: And enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer, paid for by VoteSaveAmerica, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee.
0: Now let's wrap up with some headlines. 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 Yet another member of Team Trump has flipped on him in the sprawling Georgia election interference case. On Friday, former Trump campaign lawyer Kenneth Chesbro pleaded guilty to one felony conspiracy count for his role in the alleged scheme to overturn Trump's election loss in that state. He was accused of organizing groups of fake electors in seven states, including Georgia, that Joe Biden won. Chesbro's guilty plea came just as jury selection for his trial was getting started. He'll serve five years of of probation in exchange for turning over any evidence related to the case and must testify truthfully against any other defendants in the case, including potentially Trump himself. His deal with prosecutors follows a similar plea agreement that Sidney Powell, another former Trump lawyer and co-defendant, made on Thursday. Chesbro is now the third person charged in the case to plead guilty. Bail bondsman Scott Hall did so earlier this month. All three have agreed to testify against the others in the case.
1: The city of Detroit is in mourning following the brutal killing of a prominent Jewish community leader. 40-year-old Samantha Wall was found stabbed to death near her home on Saturday. The city's police chief said yesterday there is no evidence yet that Wall was the victim of a hate crime, but the investigation remains ongoing. Wall was well known in the Detroit metro area for her work in both political and community activism and served as board president for the city's Isaac Agree downtown synagogue since last year. During her funeral service yesterday, she was remembered as a bridge builder and as someone always ready to help others. Wall's family wrote in her obituary, quote, Samantha was a ray of sunshine to all that knew her. She was the light in any room because of her beautiful smile and her warmth. She was an angel and there was truly no one kinder.
0: The city of Orlando has announced plans to buy the Pulse nightclub property for $2 million and turn it into a public memorial. That building is where 49 people were killed and 53 others were hurt back in 2016 in what was then the worst mass shooting in modern U.S. history. Efforts over the years to create a memorial for the victims of the shooting have been difficult. And earlier this year, One Pulse, the nonprofit that has taken over to oversee the memorial, announced that it would be forced to scale back its plans due to fundraising difficulties. Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer said in a statement last week, quote, We believe that this is the best and most appropriate way to expedite the creation of a proper memorial for the Pulse tragedy. The proposal will go before Orlando City Council later today. If the sale is approved, it could close by the end of the month.
1: Now, switching gears to the Supreme Court, on Friday, the justices gave the Biden administration the green light to continue contact with social media platforms about the spread of misinformation online. The ruling pauses for now, a lower court order that would have severely limited how the White House, the CDC, the FBI, and other agencies communicate with tech companies. The high court also agreed to take up the Biden administration's appeal in the case. So to get you up to speed, this all stems from a lawsuit filed last year by Republican attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri, along with a group of people claiming they were censored online. They alleged that the administration violated the first amendment by pressuring social media platforms to take down content it considered misinformation. That includes some of the internet's greatest hits, like posts about election fraud, whether the coronavirus pandemic is real, and all the conspiracy theories about Hunter Biden's laptop. The extent to which government agencies have been allowed to continue contacting platforms about misinformation has gone back and forth for months. In the meantime, the Supreme Court will likely hear arguments in this case in February or March with a ruling expected in June, just in time for the 2024 presidential election. You know, this is one of those things where seems good when the people we like is in office, but I don't think I want Trump being able to like, reach out to Facebook and say, hey, actually the election was stolen. I decided it's very complicated when you talk about misinformation because it depends on who's in power.
0: Trump is going to misinform whether he's in power or not. That's just what he does. That's true. You know. That's true. And finally, SAG-AFTRA and representatives from the major Hollywood studios are set to return to the bargaining table tomorrow. That's according to a joint statement released over the weekend announcing the move. It's the first time that talks have resumed since discussions broke down nearly two weeks ago. Both sides walked away on October 11th, reportedly after reaching an impasse over how to compensate actors for streaming content. According to SAG's negotiations committee, representatives for the studios were the ones who reached out to resume talks, writing, quote, It is clear that the strength and solidarity shown by our members has sent an unmistakable message to the CEOs. Today marks the 102nd day of the ongoing Hollywood actor strike. This is the first work stoppage in the union's history to pass the 100 day threshold in more than 40 years. The writer's strike, which officially ended less than a month ago, went on for 148 days. I'm so glad they're getting back to the negotiating table. I don't know about you, Josie, but I need the strike to be over. I need things to get back to whatever semblance of normal. I need to be able to see... What the celebrities dress up as for
1: Halloween. Yeah, now's the time. Now's the time for justice, (laughs) right before Halloween. Yeah, I'm ready for this to be over too.
0: They could come to an agreement this week and restore the celebrities' ability to dress up as whatever characters they want from our favorite movies and TV shows by the weekend. Mm -hmm. So that next week we get all of the fabulous photos, you know, of rich people spending too much money for Halloween. (laughs) <laughs> and those are the headlines.
1: One more thing before we go. While everyone is focused on November 2024, we wanted to remind you again that there's a high-stakes election coming up this November, too. From the Virginia legislative elections through the Ohio Reproductive Rights ballot measure, we've got a lot of work to do in the next few weeks. So visit votesaveamerica.com slash years to learn more and find out how you can get involved.
0: That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends to listen.
1: What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice.
0: And I'm Trayvall Anderson. Today is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producers Itsy King Danilla, Raven Yamamoto, and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers, and our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and
2: Kashaka.